This is a WTOP original podcast. Welcome to this episode of The Vine Guy. I'm your host, Scott Greenberg, and in this episode, I am reporting from the inaugural Hillsburg wine and food experience in the Hotel Hillsburg. And I have as my guest in this segment, Steve San Giacomo, a third generation partner in San Giacomo Family Vineyards located in Sonoma, California, where his family has been farming since 1927. Steve grew up on the ranch and began learning the ropes from his father and extended family at a young age. As far back as Steve can remember, he clamored to tag along with his father and uncles during early morning frost protection. Steve began learning the family business from the ground up, and in his 30s, he and his brother Mike took over the reins. Today, Steve shares responsibility with his brothers for managing the family's 1,600 acres of vineyards, as well as the grape sales to more than 70 premium wineries, many of whom vineyard designate their wines with the San Giacomo name. He also oversees his family's own newly released wine label, San Giacomo Family Wines. He flat out loves his job, particularly the wide variety of responsibilities spanning both the farming side and the winemaking side. So join me in drinking this episode with Steve San Giacomo, live from the Hillsburg Hotel. Steve, I can't tell you what a pleasure it is having you here on the podcast. Thank you so much. Here we are at the Hotel Hillsburg for this inaugural Hillsburg Wine and Food Experience event. And you're here participating in it, and I really appreciate the time you're spending with me. Now, Steve, you're kind of you're kind of a legend here in Sonoma County. You're a third generation wine grower. Uh, very cool. Your family has over 1,600 acres. You sell to over 70 premium vineyards. You know, it's quite a storied lineage you've got going. How did it all start? Yeah, well, thank you, Scott. It's great to be here, and yeah, just great celebratory weekend here in Sonoma County in Hillsburg, and um, yeah, I mean it. We're all this Sonoma County is a farming agricultural community in, in so many different facets, and uh, our actually family started. Uh, I know we're celebrating wine and all the grapes and stuff this weekend, but our family started in actually fruit trees. My grandfather came over from Italy in the early 1900s. Um, he's an Italian immigrant, and he was a farmer in Genoa, Italy. And when he came over here and immigrated, he uh, had the opportunity to. Um, you know, get back into farming, um, and he was able to purchase our home ranch uh, in Snow Valley in 1927. So it was a 52-acre fruit tree orchard with uh, pears and apples and little prunes, and um, so we kind of dug up roots there, and, and then we kind of, as he uh, married my grandmother shortly thereafter, and they had, uh, he had four kids, and the joke was every kid he had, he'd buy another ranch. <laughs> did he? So he did. That's how he expanded <laughs> Uh, so we had four kids. My uh, my dad Angelo had a we have uncle uh, Uncle Buck and Uncle Bob and Aunt Lorraine. So they expanded to be one of the largest pear growing uh, operations families in Northern California. And so that was most of our fruit went into canneries. Uh, can uh, we were kind of in the middle of the fresh fruit cycle. So not a lot of our fruit went to fresh fruit. So a lot of can. Canned pears. I grew up on a lot of canned pears, Scott. I, I love delicacy. So I, I mean, I actually love, still kind of have a little soft spot for I think we're going to make a book on that, what you can do with canned pears. We've done everything with it growing up. So Awesome. Um, so I have to say that uh, the story is very familiar. Italian immigrants coming over and planting the cash crops, if you will, right? The, the fruit trees. 
on the Valley of Florida, and a lot of them would grow or, or plant um, vineyards up on the hillside for personal use. Is that how it sort of might Yeah, so it transitioned to then as canneries started to shut down, you could get fresh fruit, you know, from all around. the world year round. So then canneries started to shut down. So uh, my dad's generation, second generation, kind of saw the handwriting on the wall. So they planted our first vineyard in 1969, Green Acres. 1969. And 1969. You know, they were shutting down, you know, pretty rapidly. So then they pulled out in 1981 and 82. Over two years, they pulled out uh, 350 acres of fully developed orchards. Just kind of a do-or-die move. And um, just, it was kind of like, you know, if we were going to stay farming something that, you know, they realized that, you know, making money every three or three out of four years, or excuse me, one out of four years isn't a good long-term business um, equation. So they pulled out uh, all 350 acres in 81, 82. Uh, and then they started to grow with the wine industry. So as the wine industry grew in the 80s and the whole wine boom, they kind of grew with, you know, starting with, uh, you know, very small clients, um, you know, you know, in the 80s, they grow with them. So as wine news started to grow and, you know, started to need more fruit, we kind of grew with them. I and mean, that's how we've expanded over the years. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad this is a podcast because people can't see my jaw on the floor having you tell this story, particularly the 1969. Do you re recall what variety they planted? Back yeah, that's a great question. So uh, we were just talking about that yesterday. I was on a Pinot Noir clonal um, tasting with, it, with Ray Isle uh, yeah. yesterday through the weekend with the, there's 20 psalms in the participating and it is all about the clones of Pinot Noir but we were actually one of the first great growers to plant Pinot Noir in 1969 having said that my dad and uncles and aunt planted everything because they weren't sure what grew best at that right. time um, obviously Napa at that time kind of knew Cabernet was you know the thing but in Sonoma Valley Carneras you know kind of this part of Sonoma County we weren't sure so they planted Cabernet Riesling Gwertzumeter Chardonnay and peeling them. So they quickly, you know, kind of went through the whole, you know, growing cycles and realized that, you know, this part of where our vineyards are in the cooler parts of Sonoma County, you know, the Burgundy varieties of Pinot Noir and Chardonnay flourish. So and that's where the 350 acres, did that get planted? Yeah, so that got, that, Pino, yeah, so that was Green Acres then. And then in the 80s, by 81, 82, they realized there was Chardonnay and Pinot. Okay. So they went... Uh, they had it dialed in. They, they, yeah, they had a pretty good idea. Those are the two varieties that were you know best suited um for the for their lands and their lo their locations but you know i mean it's it's funny you're talking clones yesterday they're just trying to figure out varieties and not even clones and now we've yeah. gone to the you know next level of just really dialing in right. sites and clones like the dijon and the dijons and you know the california heritage clones yep. and all those you know um you know available uh clones now that we have at our you know fingertips to kind of make wine more complex and interesting so 1,600 acres today. So, yep. well, actually, let's go back to the 350 acres for a second. Sure. Because here you are. That's a big bet. I'm, I mean, 80, 80, Yeah, it was do or die. And my dad tells a story. It was kind of a do or die move. And my grandfather had planted a lot of those trees. Oof, so there's and an so emotional he had to discuss, Yeah, but he's a businessman. He was 
businessman that quickly. Sorry, uh, Dad. And but he, when my dad gave him the facts of you know how much you know when they made you know profit one out of four years, he's he used a he used a term maybe I shouldn't use on the um, your your podcast, but pull the SBs out. That's what he said. Wow, I have to say that you know going from a cash crop where you're you're harvesting at least once a year, yeah, to making wine that isn't even. Well, first of all, the vines aren't even viable for the first three or four years. And then after you go through that, you don't even sell for another three or four years. I got to believe that is a big gamble. That is a completely different mindset. It is. I mean, but pears took 10 years at least to um, get to develop. Grapes are, you know, three to five years, however you look at it. So they were making wine that was all great. So they would get a check the next year. But you are, I mean, it's farming you. You know, put you know you you put your page you one paycheck a year. You know, it's not a month. It's not a monthly paycheck. So, but we grew in the eighties. We we would grow as um, people said. Well, how did you go from there three fifty to sixteen hundred? But so Philoxer was all those three hundred fifty acres were actually planted on AXR rootstock. Uh, at that time, they thought was resistant to Philoxer, which we quickly realized was not mm-hmm. our industry. And so that at the in late eighties. They leased actually uh, about 300 acres to, in anticipation of that AXR being, you know, get uh, debilitated to have to be pulled out. So the flip side, there's two things that happened. The AXR was obviously eventually would flocks would take over, but it didn't happen as rapidly as they thought. And then the 300 acres they leased and planted, you know, by in the early 90s, when that came in full production. It was a little wine boom. The wine industry was just going through just another timing, right? And so right. they were able to absorb all that acreage and then um, and maintain our winery clients were growing. You know, we have, you know, at least you know, 20 wineries we've been selling to for over 30 years. Wow. So those of you who go back and look at those wineries, they started very small and now they've become to really big signature brands. And are they using any of your um, fruit as a vineyard designate on their uh, Yeah. So we have 28 uh, wineries using San Giacomo Vineyards as a on the label. 1979 was our first uh, vineyard designate. Uh, Joseph Phelps and Gunlock Bunchu did a San Giacomo vineyard. Uh, we were one of the first to start vineyard designating, um, you know, our, our vineyards. And uh, today we have, you know, we've grown that portfolio to um, over 28. And then uh, in 2016, uh, we launched our own family brands. We have a San, oh, Giacomo, wow. San Giacomo family estate brand that's right. uh, about 2,000 cases. Um, it's kind of you know, time. Why? Why did you guys decide to do your own brand? It was it wasn't it, but when? And it was just my brother um, Mike and my sister Mia, who were the current third generation running the family business. I think we just kind of realized that time's time's right. Let's do it. And so uh, we hired James McPhail, who we've worked with for over twenty years. Oh, of course, yeah. And, um, and we work with them. So he's, he's your winemaker. He's our winemaker. And so we um, developed that brand and launched in two thousand. Vintage of 2016, we launched in 2018. So the San Giacomo. San Giacomo. Yeah, San Giacomo wines. No, no, you got to ask, obviously, are there vineyard designates on your label? There are, yeah. So of, of our 1,600 acres, we have 14 vineyards okay. uh, within the portfolio. So, yeah, we have a, a Green Acres, uh, which is the first vineyard. We had to have that. The 69. The 69. <laughs> we actually have a single vineyard, um, you know, we have a Sonoma Coast series of Pinot Chard that's a blend of three different the vineyards. Mm-hmm. And then we have um, our Green Acres Vineyard. We have our Home Ranch Vineyard where we started. Um, and then for Chardonnay. And then Pinot Noir, we have our Roberts Road Vineyard. 
a Chardon Pinot Noir, which is in Petaluma Gap, which is when we were in the first to kind of plant that part in the Petaluma Gap in 1999. And then we have a, um, a legacy series, which is a tribute to, uh, we're all about, you know, giving back to our ancestors, grandparents that started this all in 1927, had the, the guts to come over from Italy and, you know, immigrate over here. So we have V Maria, which is a barrel selection of our, you know, favorite best barrels. And then we have a four sibling Chardonnay, which is the original vineyard my dad, uncles, and aunt planted. It's a 53-year-old Chardonnay vineyard. Uh-huh. It's called Four Siblings, and it's made in tribute to them. That is very cool. Now, um, are either the two uncles or your aunt still yes, around or yes. involved? Or? So my dad, yeah, they're not. I mean, they're farmers. They're always they're involved. Farmers. So they're farmers. Uh, they're in their 90s. So my aunt's 93. My dad will be 92. My uncle will be 90. Their youngest brother, brother Bob, uh, he passed away. You know, a number of years ago, but um, but yeah, they're you know they're they have a you know they can't drive you know anymore in nineties you know they, or they they chose not to drive how about that and so they get driven around the ranch and they trust me they keep an eye on things and they they give us a report card for oh, sure. How wonderful! Now, do you have children? I do. So I have uh, a fifteen-year-old boy and soon to be thirteen. My brother Mike has a twenty-two-year-old boy and a nineteen twenty-two twenty-two-year-old boy boy, 20-year-old girl, and 18-year-old boy, and then my sister's got two boys and girls, the same age as mine. So, so we have a fourth generation. Yeah, there's enough. a fourth, there's seven. So we're we're hoping there's a few, at least a few farmers in there, and you know, part of the wine brand, you know, establishing is it'll provide access, because they're not all going to be farmers, Scott. Right? We already we already have bets on who's, we already know a couple are not going to be farmers, <laughs> but we need at least two or three. Funny how that happens. Yes, yes. But, but they may be good wine yes, sales yes, people, what wine makers. Wine makers, right? For sure. Or, yeah. or distributors. Yeah, wine sales, distributors, distributors wine makers, a lot, there's lots of opportunity. There's something about selling the wine when your name's on the label. Yeah, there's there's a um, definitely a story there for sure, and there's a you know definitely you know um, a sense of you know, expectation too that comes with it. So. Absolutely, so, you know I'm a, my day job I'm, I'm involved in the family business forum and back on the East Coast, and it is fascinating how when we interview families that have successful successful succession, say that fast three times to the third or even fourth generation. Just what is some of the secrets? And one of them was, yeah, we kind of identified early who's, you know, we know who's going to be going into X or Y or Z. That's, well, and I think uh, Sonoma County, the agriculture community that's like the DNA of our county is, we're made up of multi-generational families. And I think, I think for our family, it's been, the key is we get that, how do you guys make it work? And I think part of it is uh, defining roles, as you alluded to, but also the generations working together, and so I was—we've been fortunate. My, obviously, my dad worked with you know, my grandmother and grandfather with his generation, and we've worked. My brother, sister, and I have worked closely with my. I mean, we, my, we've been there over 20 years, so we've actually worked side by side with them, and with farming especially, there's no way better way to learn to than the previous generation that can tell you this part of the ranch, this part of the soil, this part of you know the topography this needs more attention it's all these levels of detail that you learn through decades that you can pass on so that's that's where i think you know from a farming community having this multi-generational 
um, kind of legacy makes us all better farmers and eventually turns into better grapes and better wines. Well, that's part of it, right? So I do want to touch on the Sonoma County agricultural culture, yeah. if you will. And then part of it is certainly this intergenerational farming. But I have a sense that there's more to it. There is, and it's, you know, it's a collaborative. I mean, I like the farmers in Sonoma County, um, you know, the grape growers. I mean, Sonoma County Wine Growers is putting on this wonderful weekend. Yep. They're a big uh, part of it, a big partner in it. Um, we're, all, there's, we're all in it together, and there's you know, over 1,000 growers that are a part of this Sonoma County Wine Group or Commission, and um, we're all in it. I mean, this land is here, and this is, we, can't, we, can't, we can't take our land and move it anywhere else, and nor would we want to. I mean, we're in the, the promise. My Uncle Buck always says, this is God's territory. He, he's traveled always. I come back, like, Sonoma County, this is like heaven. Like, why would I want to leave? So... Our vineyards are here, but with it, it's a collaborative. I mean, all our growers, we work together, and we really uh, do everything from a collaborative approach, uh, from farming, learning from each other, and then also marketing. We're all marketing Sonoma County together. We're all putting our chips in the middle of the table as Sonoma County grape growers and funding all these wonderful programs to really let consumers in the world know what a great place Sonoma County is to grow grapes and make wine. And and I have to say, the one thing that I really appreciate about wine growers and grape growers uh, and agriculture particularly in this area is it is collaborative it is so amazing when you talk to farmers to producers to winemakers how they really rely on each other and provide support to each other and there's not a lot of other industries that I've ever come across that are as supportive and collaborative as uh, the grape growing industry, and particularly here in Sonoma. Yeah, I think we're, all, we're, we're each owns therapists. I think we call each other and <laughs> about the weather, Mother Nature, or whatever, whatever issue that comes up. I think we, we're, there's a good opportunity to, to vent and to learn, you know, of like, did you see this? Or what, would, what, what have you learned in the past? You know, what, whatever the issue is from, you know, Mother Nature to, you know, operationally and so forth. So it's, um, it's like we're all, we're all, and I think that's the same thing with the family business. And, it, it parlays into great words like we're all we understand right we're all we we have the same skin in the game as you know my neighbor as my you know but even with our family members right we're all it's this support system right as you talk to i had a guest on just earlier um duff bevel who said uh i believe farming isn't rocket science it's harder and so you really do it does take a village it does and it's um it's it's an evolution too, right? In terms of like, yeah. you know, it's evolving, right? I mean, from you know the, how things were done, you know, when my grandfather farmed, the climate obviously, but there's also elements of you know the um, how we farm, it's and what you farm, what we farm. Um, you know, we get the question: Well, does climate change, global warming? What do you, what varieties are you gonna plant different? I mean, well, let's we're gonna be aware, we're gonna be you know stay ahead of the curve and plant experimental varieties but you know we're at the end of the day we still you know have to you know evolve and learn but you know we, we're still in the moment right yep producing Pinot Noir Chardonnay and you know all the other wonderful varieties here in Sonoma County well Steve I have to say normally at this point in the podcast we're opening up wine and, and uh, tasting you know and you're telling me what you think I'm telling you what I think and I'm usually agreeing uh, so yeah we don't have the opportunity to do that today but well, I, I should have brought wine. I, I, <laughs> I that wasn't like in to, my notes, darn <laughs> I would like to grab you sometime in the future. Maybe we could do this again and, and go through some of the wines. I think it'd be a lot of fun. I'd love to. Yeah, you got to come visit us here. In, or we have a tasting room, and 
Sonoma Valley there in Sonoma, the southern portion of Sonoma County. Where, yeah. where that's our right on our home ranch where we've been for a hundred, almost a hundred years. So you look out over our uh, vineyards and was orchards and was uh, the, the backdrops, the hills that reminded my grandfather of Genoa, the Genoa Hills, and that's why he fell in love with the ranch. Oh, that's he awesome. came. What down, a great story! Yeah, he came down. He's like. This is a ranch I want to be at. So. Yeah. Moto Bene. That's it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story and your time with me. I really appreciate well, it. Thank you for having me. All right. Cheers. Cheers. That'll do it for this episode of the Vine Guy, WTOP News Podcast. Join me for my next episode, again, live from the Hillsburg Hotel in Hillsburg, California, when my guest will be Justin Seidenfeld, Senior Vice President of Winemaking and Wine Growing at Rodney Strong Vineyards. Until then... Do good, drink well. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, My Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.